Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does it mean he ascended, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of your spirit, and we pray that as the two are united this morning, uh, that you would uh, bless us and speak to us, encourage us and challenge us, and change us to be more like Jesus. We ask in your name. Amen. If I was to ask you who thinks that they're the best person in this room, I wonder who would raise their hand. Who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who's the best preacher? Who's the best worship leader? Who's the best prayer and interceder? We're talking today about humility. Where the spirit of the Lord is true, humility is found. But we need to acknowledge as we do that, that the flip side of humility is, of course, uh, pride. Now, as a nation at the moment, we're probably feeling quite proud. Uh, Let me just remind you, the further they go, the more it will hurt when they leave. Um, Just... Bear that in mind, um, because if we put our hope in these things, they don't last, but Jesus does. But we, as a nation, we, we pride ourselves on pride in a way, that we, we have the pride of uh, whatever it is that we're following at the time, that we think ourselves to be a great nation. Uh, there are other nations that would claim to be even better than us, I am sure. But pride plays a huge part in, in our lives, a huge part. Uh, Paul, when he's writing to uh, the church in Corinth, describes uh, what he calls a thorn in his flesh, something that he struggles with that he can't be rid of no matter how much he tries, something that he prays for God to take away from him and God never does. And there are so many speculations, as you can imagine, through commentaries as to what that thorn in the side may be. Uh, There are some who say it may be his blindness later in life as he's writing the letters uh, and he wishes that blindness would go and it won't for others. uh, They say it might be his persecution, that he's always living a life of persecution. He's always in prison or being arrested or being on trial. And that's a thorn in the flesh. For some uh, say it may be his past and the difficulty of breaking free from that past, perhaps. Uh, I have my theory, and that theory is that it's pride. Because Paul, when you look at the life of Paul, he would have every reason to be a person of pride, would he not? I mean, as, as a Jew, he was zealous and devout. Uh, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He describes himself as these things. These are not my words, they are his. He was a tent maker, and as a tent maker, he must have been good enough 
to fund his, his, ex, you know, his expertise as a, as a persecutor as well. He must have been good enough to fund his travels at what he did. Uh, when he went into certain places, he would go back to tent making because he was good at it and it's what he knew well. As a persecutor, he was very good as a persecutor of Christians. He really knew what he was doing in that field. And he would travel all over the place, making sure that it was done properly. And he was respected and revered for that fact. When he later, thankfully, praise Jesus, became a Christian, uh, he was committed at that too. He became a traveling preacher very quickly with an incredible ministry, taking the gospel, planting churches, encouraging and building up other leaders. He was a great discipler and a teacher who raised up many of the leaders that we look up to now in our scripture. He was passionate and fearless in the face of persecution. He was a visionary with the gospel uh, and how it could and should be shared in all the world. I would forgive Paul for being quite a proud person, given that track record, given that history. And whether or not it was his thorn in the side, we can't really truly say. We won't ever really know until we get to heaven and can ask him. But pride must have played a part in his life. I mean, pride has certainly played a huge part in my life over the years. And I'm willing to say that actually it's played a part in everybody's life. Because pride actually is the root of all sin. Pride is the root of all sin. Because pride is the root that says, I can do this on my own. Pride is the root that says, I don't need God. Pride is the root that says this will be okay, even though in our heart of hearts we probably know it really isn't very good for us. Pride is the root that says I need this attention. Pride is the root that says I can do this on my own. It's the root that says I have a right to blame God when things don't go the way I want them to. Pride is the root that says I'm free to live my life however I like. It's the root behind being driven by career, money, sex, or anything really other than God. Pride is the very thing that is at the root of the thing that separates us from God. So you cannot stand here this morning, sit here this morning and say you've never struggled with pride. (laughs) Because on some level we all have. Now that seems like a really bleak way to start a sermon on humility. But the wonderful thing is that there's a flip side to this coin. And it's it's much brighter. (laughs) than the pride side and there's much more hope on this side because we have on this side an incredible model in the person of Jesus and he has shown us that real humility true humility is possible for us now the bible talks a lot about both pride and humility Now, there is a sense of good pride. There is a sense of healthy pride. You can't say it's wrong, really, to have pride in your children, I hope, and uh, pride perhaps in your work. But when pride is talked about in the Bible, it's often talked about in the negative term. But when humility is talked about, really it's in the context of a wonderful God and his people and his relationship with those people. Uh, A.W. Tozer says this, True humility is a healthy thing. The humble man accepts the truth about himself. He believes that he is for his fallen nature uh, it means that in him dwells no good thing. He acknowledges that apart from God, he is nothing, has nothing, knows nothing, and can do nothing. But this knowledge does not discourage him, for he knows also that in Christ he is someone. 
in Christ, you are someone. And the trouble is with this whole kind of pride humility thing is I've known so many Christians who are so afraid of pride that they become self-deprecating. That they just put themselves down and say, I can't offer this, I can't do this, God would never choose me, God would never want me, God would never work through me. And they do that not because they don't necessarily believe that they've got anything to offer, but they're so scared of pride that they put themselves down. I've seen it far too much in the church. Because there is such a thing as false humility. That self-deprecating, putting yourself down, is not how God intended for us to live. It's not how God intended us for us to be. It's not the freedom that Jesus came to bring for us on the cross and through the resurrection. There is a sense in which there is a balance where we can find and celebrate the things that we are able to do in Christ, because of Christ, with Christ. The gifts of the Spirit that we were looking at last week, that we can celebrate when God does something amazing in and through us or through our church. We can rejoice in that together. We can rejoice and celebrate with one another. Being humble isn't about being self-deprecating and putting yourself down. It's about acknowledging God in us and our absolute need and dependence upon him. There are many different definitions of humility around. And one of the best ones that I find is this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. When you look at the character and the person of Jesus, when you look at how he lived his life, the one who came not to be served, but to serve, the one who showed utter dependence on the Father and his desire to do the Father's will, the one who was always there for the other, for the other person, the one who stepped out of his way for the other. There was so much of a passion for other people in his life that there just simply wasn't room for pride. Now, don't get me wrong, because we do also need to care for ourselves. We do also need to look after ourselves. This is absolutely important and actually something that is amiss. And I think one of the biggest dangers of of false humility is that we have to be so about other people that we don't think about ourselves and that we don't look after ourselves. And that's not right either. Because we, we, our relationship with God is just as important as anybody else's. Uh, and and I, I'm a firm believer that by being selfish with God, we can be selfless for longer. Uh, and that, that cultivating our own relationship is, is the primary thing, the main thing. But when it comes to th- what we think about, when it comes to where our heart is and what our mind is on, we need to bear in mind that there are people who need what we have in this world. There are people who need Jesus. Uh, and, and humility for me it most sums up itself as being complete reliance on God. That for me is true humility. That point at which you recognize that without God you can do nothing. But with him and in him nothing is impossible. Uh, because the thing that pride does is it, is it makes us think we don't need God. 
either at all in some cases or in certain areas, areas that we're comfortable with or areas that we're too afraid to let God into because we're worried what might happen. (laughs) Or those areas where actually I don't really want to surrender that to the God because I quite like having it. But I think true humility, I mean, you think about the people you know who you would describe as humble people. I'm sure you can all imagine somebody who, who exudes humility, uh, despite whatever circumstances there, there may be around them. I think of some of the people I've worked with who, you know, they may be massively renowned in the nations, but they are just so humble when you meet them. What is it about them? that is so attractive? What is it about them that's so desirable? Is it that they're, they're sort of meek? Well, no, it's not really a meekness. Is it that they sort of deflect away from themselves? Well, yes, in a way, that's good. C.H. Spurgeon uh, was famous for saying when he preached an absolutely blinding sermon, which he, he did fairly regularly, uh, someone would come up to him and say, that was an amazing sermon. And he would say, thank you. I'll take the encouragement, but I'll pass the glory on. That's a wonderful dose of humility there. But what's going on there? Those people we know to be truly, truly humble. And this you see in Jesus as well. Are those people who have a complete and utter dependence on God. They know that without his spirit they can do nothing. Without him they are nothing. But with him they are something. Because of him they are something. And they're comfortably able to celebrate the good in their life without being boastful about it. Because they know that actually if God was to take it away tomorrow, they wouldn't be able to do it. It's that that understanding, that absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit. If you think about this for a moment, that the the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And Spirit absolutely embodies humility. So where are we going to find a true source of humility? In the Spirit of humility that is the Holy Spirit. Now, he's the one who's going to show us what true humility looks like because pride is saying, I can do this on my own. Humility is complete surrender. Absolute surrender. Saying that, God, without you, there's nothing I can do. Do you know that breath you just took? (laughs) Grace of God. The fact you're here, grace of God. There's, there's nothing we can do apart from him. Uh, uh, we were at a funeral a couple of weeks ago, Linz and I, and um, her brother was leading the vicar, and he, and he had a passage from Ecclesiastes, you know, that classic, everything is meaningless. Uh, and it's a really well-known passage where the writer just says, everything is meaningless, and it seems really bleak, and it seems really harsh, and it seems really hard to read. But when you think about it, without God, he's right. Without God, everything is meaningless because God is the meaning and the purpose behind everything we do. And yet we still hold back surrender sometimes. There's still certain things we just can't surrender to him. But true humility in my mind is about surrendering everything to him. And I think the things that are harder to surrender to God are the things we're naturally good at. The things that we know we're okay with. It's quite easy in a way to surrender our weaknesses to God, isn't it? In our weakness, he is strong. We know those passages, they're really familiar to us. We take comfort and strength from that. But what about the things you're doing really well? 
When we're really in a good place as a church, when you're really in a good place as an individual, how easy do you find it to surrender those things to God? To say, without you, God, we're nothing. True humility, in my mind, is a matter of absolute surrender. When Paul talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, he's not talking about a one-time, once-done act. He says, be filled and go on being filled. The literal translation is to go on daily being filled with the Spirit. You see, for me, pride is a thorn in my side. There are times I just feel it rising up. And that, that desire and that, that sense to be boastful is really, really strong. And it's very internal, so you wouldn't know about it. And in those times, I know I can't, I can't necessarily be rid of pride. But in those times, it's about managing that pride and saying, okay, there's something here I've not surrendered to Jesus. There's something here that's not fully given over. There's something here, and there's a part here where I'm relying more on myself than I am on him. And sometimes he will, he will do something to cause me to rely on him, like this week, remind me at 6.30 last night that I'm preaching this morning and Davina's not. Um, <laughs> that, that teaches you something about humility, for sure. The root word of humility really is, is human. We're all human. We're all prone to pride. We're all prone to mistakes. And we all need Jesus. We all need his spirit. You just have to stop and think for a moment, why on earth would we want to try and do anything without him? Even the good things. Even the things we know we're good at. Why on earth would we want to try and do those without him? (coughs) True humility is a daily conscious choice to surrender to God. To rely on his spirit in our life to fill us and renew us. To help us in our weakness but also in our strengths. And not to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less. To think more of him primarily, and then more of others. And the more we do that, the less room pride has in our lives. And we see true, genuine, honest humility in a life surrendered and sold out for Jesus. Filled with his spirit to the glory of the Father.